Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Opposite me is one Charles W. Chuck, Chuck Tran Bryant. Nice callback. Yeah. Chuck Tran? Callback, yeah. The thing uh, auditioned and won the role. <laughs> You've never acted or like auditioned for anything, have you? Sure. No. I used to be in children's theater. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I've never done that, except my audition with you, of course, for this spot. That went really that well. That was so good. Yeah. So you're so kind. You're too kind. Mm. You're generous. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Chuck. That's what actors always say about each other. You're so generous. So, Chuck. Yes. Let's move on. Sure. Okay. Um, if you've ever had a hankering for um, African monkey meat, I can tell you where in Europe to go. Get it. Really? Yeah. You can go to Paris to Charles de Gaulle Airport. And they have monkey meat. They have bush meat of all kinds, apparently. Bush meat? That's bush meat so is what gross. it's called. Bush meat is another term for any kind of wild game uh, or unregulated game. You can make the case that livestock that doesn't pass in, through any kind of um, regulatory body. Sure. Mm-hmm. Is, is considered bush meat. But typically, bush meat is um, a bush man goes out into the wild, shoots a monkey through the head with an arrow, and um, chops it up, and there's your meat. You can also do that with um, crocodile. Sure. You can do that with uh, river hog, porcupine, whatever. Gross. It is a little gross. But they, they there was a study, I guess somebody noticed that there was a lot of bush meat coming through uh, Paris. And so these uh, wildlife officials got together with the, the customs agency there. And over 17 days, they searched 134 passengers, randomly, I guess. But they were probably like, oh, you're coming out of Africa, right? Right. And they found that half of them were carrying bush meat in their luggage. Wow. Unrefrigerated luggage. Uh. Like you opened up their duffel bag and there was a lot of monkey right there. Ready as, to eat. as opposed to the refrigerated luggage that you, you like to use. Right. Well, I mean, you would like to think that they would at least, you know, rig a, yeah. some dry ice, exactly. something. Yeah. No. That's nasty. It is a little nasty. Um, but that, my friend, is part and parcel for a day's work for a customs official, is it not? It can be, for sure. Let's talk specifically about U.S. customs for a second. Where did it come from, Chuck? Where did this idea originate? Where, Chuck? Well, you know, dude, I know everyone likes to think that our founding fathers were just all about, like, everybody having freedom and the government, no one owing government money for anything. But that's not true at all. George Washington and the founding fathers in the first Congress actually said, you know what, we are a struggling nation and we need to raise some dough Mm -hmm. uh, by way of tariffs on, mm, how about imported goods? (laughs) <laughs> right. And so they said, sure. So that was the birth of customs. Right. Actually, we can point to the very day that it was born. The Tariff Act of July 4th, 1789 was passed on July 31st, 1789. Uh, and it did exactly what you just said, right? Like you yeah. said, if you're carrying stuff into the country, we get to tax you on it just yeah. because it's originating outside of the country, right? And then, yeah, ports of entry uh, were set up. Right, yeah. Sure. Like Savannah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so people come in, they're funneled in through these ports and they're charged dough. 
right? Yeah, big time. They uh, actually, I was staggered by this. The U.S. Customs for like a hundred years supported the entire government in- infrastructure. Yeah, um, by 1835, we had zero debt thanks to customs revenue. Yeah, and even today, as far as I know, the customs agency is second only to the IRS in generating revenue for the United States, right? Yeah, I think I, I didn't get a hard number, but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about $30 billion a year that they bring $30 in. $30 billion a year. From That's like booze and almost cigarettes. what we bring in for Discovery. Yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> Originally, Chuck, the um, Customs Service did a whole lot of stuff, including um, Census, Veterans Affairs. Yeah. Um and the National Institute of Standards and Technology was actually born out of the Customs Service. They're the ones who came up with our system of um, weights and standards. Yeah. Because they had to come up with a way to describe stuff that they were seizing or taxing or right. that kind of thing. Um, and actually, I wrote a really cool post on the metric system. I don't know if you ever read it, but no. that's where I learned that. It was really cool. <laughs> it's a cool post. And the Coast Guard, too, was birthed from uh, the Customs uh, Office. That's right. Jerry thinks you are hilarious. Anytime I'm mispronouncing some purpose, she titters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Chuck, uh, the the custom service did all this stuff, spawned all these extra agencies, and then um, pretty much stayed the same for a while until 2003 um, when George W. was in office. Uh, the customs service became the U.S. Customs and Border Protection yeah, part of the uh, Homeland Security Office sure. department. Yeah. Which I, makes sense, I guess, in a way. It does. They Unless you have, like, a, a comprehensive immigration d- agency. Right. <laughs> Good point. Um, and so pretty much their, their main job is to control or oversee the flow of goods from outside the borders in and inside the borders out. Right. Right? They They are this thin blue line between, you know, free trade and total anarchy. That's a good point. Thanks, man. Wow. Um, so they seize contraband. They process people. They process cargo. Um, they uh, enforce uh, stuff as, as laws as disparate as bushmeat importation yeah. to intellectual property right. law. Yeah. Like if you get caught with some, you know, burned DVDs that, are clearly pirated, you're going to get in trouble, and you would have gotten caught by the customs department, right? Yeah. All in all, they're enforcing about 400 different provisions of law, right? Yeah, and they they like to refer to themselves as the the oldest law enforcement agency in the United States. And I think the the duty that that scares me, and we're going to say duty a lot in this podcast, we should probably just get it over with. Yeah, not D-O-O-D-Y. Duty. D-U-T-Y. Duty. Right. Right, right. Just want to clear that up. Yeah, um, and Chuck, they they oversee what's called Exodus um, cases. Yeah, what's that? Exodus cases are, I guess, that's kind of like Broken Arrow or something like that. Uh-huh. It's uh, if you have weapons, sure, weapons technology, um, weapons intelligence, mm-hmm. anything you can destroy the U.S. with or attack the U.S. with. Yeah. Customs is on that, and they deem those exodus cases, and those are big time. Yeah, I just saw a guy. I didn't look into it too heavily, but like in the news this week, there's some uh, custom sting operation uh, where this big businessman was selling like some sort of batteries that help uh, a missile launch 
to Iran or something? I don't know. What? I need to look it up, but big sting going down. My wow. Friend. Exodus type. Wow, that is Exodus. <laughs> it is. Um, I guess if the urban legend about Saddam Hussein importing uh, PlayStations to use the very sophisticated chips in his guided missile system. I never system. heard that one. Yeah. Really? Yeah, when I think the first PlayStation came out, uh-huh. that that was an urban legend around huh. it. Yeah. That's a silly one. So, Chuckers, like we said at the basis of all this, it's the the customs service in any country is charged with keeping an eye on the flow of goods across the borders, right? Sure. And one of the reasons why is because, as we saw, George Washington and the Founding Fathers were hip to the idea that being government and all, you can push around guys who are importers, exporters, right? Yeah. And um, say, hey, give us a cut. Well, yeah, the idea is kind of twofold. It's um, One is because, you know, America wants you to buy American goods, but- a lot of times, most times, goods from other countries you can buy cheaper. Yeah. So they say, all right, well, if you're going to buy something from over there, we want it, want you to support America. But if you're going to do that, then we want to get our, our piece of the pie. Right. Or they well, they charge duty on, um, say, uh, sombreros in Mexico. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So there, so you can get a sombrero here, but you're going to pay like seventeen dollars for it. Right. The same sombrero. Mm-hmm. Virtually the same, except it was manufactured in Mexico. Mexico's a bad uh, example after NAFTA yeah. was passed, but we'll, let's stick with it, shall we? Okay. Um, you can get that one for two bucks. Well, the government's going to impose a duty on it, so maybe ultimately once you pay the duty and how much you're being charged for the sombrero, right. you're actually paying $19 for the Mexican one, where you can get the $17 one here in the U.S., so you might as well just get that. Well, yeah, but that that's if you're... Shipping like large, like there's duty free exemptions. We should go over that real quick. Yeah, duty free. Explain it. Duty free is uh, in the United States. You get a four hundred dollar exemption if you come back into the country from anywhere except uh, a Caribbean basin country mm-hmm. or the Virgin Islands, Guam, or American Samoa. So if you come in from Europe, let's say you're allowed to bring four hundred dollars worth of stuff in. Right. Uh, and you declare it and, um. $400 worth of bushmeat. Of bushmeat. <laughs> and then after that, you have to start paying your tariff on that. Okay. And they, and they have specific outlines for, um, like tobacco. You can bring, uh, 200 cigarettes or 100 cigars as part of that under $400. Okay. And alcohol, of course, you can bring in one liter of booze duty free. Nice. And, but. So you can you, bring in a carton of cigarettes. And a liter of booze. Yeah. That's a party right there. You got it. And, you know, a few cigars, as long as they're not Cubans, which we'll get to. But uh, I did find this interesting. Fine art and antiques that are at least 100 years old are mm-hmm. not subject to tax. Really? No matter. I mean, it could be like a $10,000 painting and no duty. What about a $12,000 painting? No duty. Huh. Ask me about folk art. What about folk art, Chuck? Duty. Really? Yeah, just fine art. Folk art and, uh, <laughs> folk art and handicrafts, yeah. The Customs Service has an opinion on art, <laughs> and they've deemed folk do. art as crappy. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe not, or maybe they think it's so great it should be taxed. No, I don't think that's... No. No. Right. Have you seen folk art before? Yeah. I had a... <laughs> I should t- say this real quick. It, uh, when I was living in L.A., I went to a show with Emily, one of those shows where they have folk art, and I thought that, wow, what a scam... Yeah. It's like I could, I should do this, and I came up with an idea to drum up um, 
buzz by calling over the course of like a year or different places and saying, hey, do you have any art by Chuck Bryant, this artist? <laughs> and to, to the point where they'd heard this name. And then at one point I would enter these places and say, hey, I'm Chuck Bryant. I didn't know if you want to cover some of my, uh, carry some of my art. Nice. They'd be like, well, we've heard of you. Let me see that piece of tin that you slung paint on. That's actually a brilliant idea, Chuck. Somebody should go do that. Why didn't you ever do it? Because it's fraud and it's not nice or ethical. I don't know that that's fraud in the art world. No. no. Okay. I think that's just normal business. Man. You know why I didn't do it? Why? I was lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotcha. Um, so that's duty free. That is very odd. Did you find out why folk art is? No. Just that it is? No. We could probably call and get an answer to that. You want to call right now? No. Okay. Um, so we covered duty free, right? Yeah, and I guess we should talk about big business, as because there's two different kinds. There's people, there's businesses that ship in and import tons of stuff at ports of call, and then there's you and I getting off an airplane. Well, we should say also that with duty free, the the exemption applies to the importer, not the customer, right? Right. So if we come back into the states, or yeah, if we come back into the States and we say, I could use a liter of scotch and a carton of Dunhills. Right. Uh, so we pick them up and then we continue on into the United States. We don't pay any duty. But if we do the same thing at Charles de Gaulle Airport. Right. Uh, and then come into the United States, we pay a duty because we're still importing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're actually an importer, they, that you're classified as an importer. Yeah. So uh, big business, Josh, uh, millions of dollars worth of goods each year. Uh, is imported and are imported, and they kind of keep track of it the same way as they do with individuals. They like they can't inspect every single thing or every single person. No, no way. So they'll just kind of pick and choose. They'll open up a cargo container and say, I'm going to look at these seven boxes in container eight. Right. And then the guy crosses his fingers that the cocaine is not in those, you know, cargo holds. Right, right exactly. And, and uh, that's, that's a deterrent in and of itself, the randomness of it all, right? Yes. But at the same time, that method means that tons and tons and tons of illicit substances seep through our rather porous border. Yeah. And it's not it's not just with big business too, it's I individual know. travelers as well. Like um some countries use actual, you know, chance. They leave it to chance who gets searched so they have right. um people passing through their borders at their airports, mm-hmm. press a random number generator, and uh, a certain number will trigger a green light, which right. means you keep going. Another will trigger a red light, and that means you're going to be your rectum's about to be probed. Yeah, or instinct, which is my favorite. When the they count on the border agent to be the customs agent to be so uh, skilled that they can like eyeball you and say that guy has something stuffed in a place that we should check. Either that or the GDP of that country is so low that sure. they don't have enough money for a random number generator. Yeah. <laughs> they rely on instinct, which comes with the salary. Yeah, that's a good point. Chuck, we we talked about illicit substances. Sure. Cocaine. Yeah. Uh, marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, Heroin. Sure. Mm-hmm. So- like we were just saying, this stuff's coming through all the time, and Customs is aware of this. I don't know if you knew this or not, but they know that there are drugs coming across the border. <laughs> they do. And um, they have equipment at their disposal, sure. right? At, at the ports, we talked about the random number generator. The U.S. is fairly flush with cl- with cash as far as um, Customs go, so we actually have truck size x-rays yeah that you can literally they're big enough to drive a truck through like, mm-hmm. at the u.s mexican border i've done that 
Have you really? Yeah. You've driven through the x-ray before. Uh-huh. Wow. What's it like? Were you inside? Uh, what that do you mean? Yeah. dangerous. Well, I mean, it's the same as walking through an x-ray. Which is pretty dangerous, but <laughs> yeah, it, this is true. like a truck-sized x-ray. Yeah, good point. I didn't really think about that. Huh. Sure. Yeah, I've been over and across the border quite a few times. I gotcha. Never carried anything illicit. That's very smart. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, we also have Black Hawk helicopters, Citation jets at our disposal. Cigarette boats. Yes, for catching cigarette smugglers. Yes, no. Those are the super fast boats like Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. Because apparently the drug smugglers that come in like under cover of the night really fast. Yeah. And so the Coast Guard works in concert with the DEA. It's a joint effort. And customs agents. It's not a joint effort. No, it is. I oh, just okay. thought that was a funny pun. <laughs> yeah. So they're looking for, you know, bad things. And I looked up, uh, you know, they mentioned in here that people actually smuggle things in on their person. Mm-hmm. They'll go through customs instead of trying to smuggle it around customs. And uh, I thought they should have a TV show called Smugglers Do the Darndest Things. Because <laughs> have you ever seen, I mean, I know you hear about these stories from time to time, but the way that these people try and get drugs in the country, mm-hmm. it's crazy. In their bodies, remember the guy that made a cast, a foot cast, out of cocaine? No, I hadn't heard of that one. I think we talked about that on the webcast. It was either that or we talked about they made a, a dinette set, like the plates and the bowls were all made of cocaine. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, there was the, um, that was 20 kilos of coke, by the way, for the dinnerware. Wow. Uh, one thing they'll do is they'll put it in a condom and feed it to their snake, their pet snake. Yeah. And then smuggle the snake in. Which I guess is easier than smuggling drugs in. I don't know. That seems a little. I wonder if people. I wonder if the average customs agent is afraid of snakes like any other person. Yeah, maybe so. And they figured that out. Uh, Frozen sharks. I saw where some. I think it was Cambodia. They had like forty frozen sharks, and they Mm -hmm. were stuffed full of drugs. Wow. Uh, And then the sad ones, like the when they smuggle them inside the dogs, liquid heroin inside those puppies. Mm -hmm. Remember that was a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this yellow lab had like. $30,000 $30,000 worth of cocaine in its belly one time when they were smuggling this dog in. It's a bad dog. <laughs> He's a good dog. Bad people. <laughs> Jerry's laughing again. <laughs> so uh, how, how would you stop that, though, in an airport, let's say? Uh, well, again, there's um, the randomness of the whole thing serves as a deterrent. Um, to into Intuition, as you said. And dogs, good dogs, not ones that are drug smuggling bad dogs, <laughs> but the kind that tattle on drug smuggling right. bad dogs. Yeah. Good dogs, beagles specifically, uh-huh. are good apparently not just for illicit drugs, but especially for agricultural products. Apparently they're fine-tuned to sniff those out. Oh, really? Yeah. And bombs, of course. Right. Which has nothing to do with customs. but I was actually in, I guess, Atlanta. I don't know where I was coming back from. But um, there was this cute little beagle who walked up to this woman and just sat down and looked up at her. And this customs guy was like, man, will you please come with me? Really? And uh, it turned out she had fruit on her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you should go ahead and mention that then. Well, it, it's more of a threat than you would think, right? Absolutely. Um, there's, there's apparently a guy in the late 80s who brought a piece of fruit, one piece of fruit, Back from the Mediterranean, and it was infested with Mediterranean fruit flies. Yeah. And it contaminated and destroyed millions of dollars worth of crops in California that year. That's crazy. One piece of fruit. Have you ever driven into California? Uh, 
You gotta, no, I've always flown in. Yeah, you got to stop. They check. They check your car. It's a real bummer too, because when you make the Vegas to California trip, yeah, you're coming back from Vegas, and you all you want to do is get back to your house and yeah, sleep. I'm sure. And you got to stop at this. It's always backed up for miles, and they, you know, it's the fruit. It's the agriculture stop. Really? Yeah. No. I've and they never ask. Done they either that. ask you to, you know, do you have any fruits or vegetables or seeds, or they just eyeball you in your car and like will wave you through or or say stop. They rely on intuition to see if you like a pear smuggler. Yeah, I always get nervous. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just fruit. The drug dogs, everything, they always make me nervous. And I never, you know, of course I don't have like cocaine strapped to my belly, but it just makes me nervous. No, I think that's pretty typical. Is though. it? I think they make everybody nervous. It's like just white because coat. Because you know you're being yeah. scrutinized, you know? Right. And nobody feels comfortable being scrutinized, right? Or maybe it's a, the T-shirt, the Don't Scrutinize Me T-shirt I have on. Right. <laughs> it, it's off-putting. I don't have drugs on me. <laughs> um, dogs also get taken onto planes, Chuck. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Um, it's very roundabout, but it makes sense. They'll take a dog onto a plane to sniff around after yeah. everyone's disembarked. Mm-hmm. And if somebody had drugs on him or her, uh, he or she would have left some sort of trace on that seat. Right. So the dog will, like, say, this seat right here, they'll look up on the flight manifest, who was sitting there, find them, and then take them to be thrown in prison. It was Josh Clark. <laughs> right. The black goes to the sky. Right. Uh, the other cool thing, too, that we didn't mention was the electro-vacuum device. It's like a handheld dust buster, super dust buster sort of, but it analyzes particles in the air. So if you have cocaine packed in your suitcase, in theory, there's probably some like residue floating in the air. And these things will sniff that out. In well, your it's, it's toast. like um, poop when you smell poop. It's an odorant. It's an actual poop molecule that you're yeah. interacting with. Yeah, that's the same true. thing. <laughs> yeah, Is it, that's very good. <laughs> you just winked at me. Uh, what else we got here? Oh, money. That's yeah, a big that, deal. That is a big one. Cash. You're not allowed to take more than ten thousand dollars in cash out of the country. But I would suspect that. If you had nine nine ninety nine, then you're probably a little suspicious. I don't know that for sure, or maybe that happens a lot, and it, and you're not suspicious. What do you think? I think if if you're a penny over ten thousand bucks, they know it. Okay. I think if you get anywhere near it, or if you declare ten thousand dollars, they right. check you. Okay. I never leave. I mean, I never have more than like eight bucks on me anywhere I go. So yeah, I've never had ten thousand dollars in cash on me ever. No, and probably never will. <laughs> of course not. Chuck, uh, you mentioned art. Customs agents are also on high alert for antiquities. Yeah, including once you remember when we invaded Iraq, there was a huge cultural ransacking. Their museums were getting looted. And, yeah, I mean, you know, ancient stuff was just being moved out of Iraq. Yeah, right. Um. Once it's in, um, I guess, U.S. borders, there's that doesn't necessarily mean you're out of the woods. There was um, the example of uh, customs finding uh, a, a thousand-year-old Chinese sculpture that had been stolen from a tomb in 1994, turning up um, on a Christie's auction catalog. Uh, so I guess they monitor these right, uh, and then cross-reference them, and they found that it was going to be auction contacted uh, Christie's said hey we're going to be taking that and gave it back to China right so that's a that's something yeah and uh, this news story I pulled from just a couple of days ago in Bulgaria yeah they uh, at a border check between Kalatina and Serbia 
they discovered four uh, artifacts from 3rd and 2nd century B.C. and 1st century A.C. that were wrapped in napkins at the bottom of the suitcase. And the guy was like, oh, those are just trinket gifts for my family that are thousands of years old. Wow. <laughs> so, busted. Yeah. Is he busted, busted? They didn't believe him? Uh, no, they didn't believe him. <laughs> and they did some checking, and they haven't, like, nothing has turned up missing from museums or anything yet, but I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it. Gotcha. Um, lastly, Chuck... We were talking about bush meat. You were. <laughs> you you also um, you can't bring dog meat into the U.S. That's a good thing, especially after 2000 when the U.S. passed the Dog and Cat Protection Act, which yeah, is the most adorable act we've ever passed. I think it is, but it's sad that we needed that. Yeah. Well, not other, not every country's, you know, they don't look at dogs necessarily the way we right. do. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, some countries look at dogs the way we look at monkeys. It's like meat. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. We, we prize them for their fur. Yeah, true. That kind of stuff. I didn't think about that. Oh, another thing, too. It's not always illegal stuff per se, like a Cuban cigar. Sometimes it's just there's like an embargo, Yeah, a trade embargo. And yeah. that, that's a really good example. But, I mean, don't you, don't you regard Cuban cigars in much the same way you would drugs, too? Just because it has that stamp of forbiddenness on it, it's... It is. It yeah. seems like highly illegal. Yeah. You know? You um, on the internet, though. I, I've heard that. You can, and, and like they send you the cigars, yeah. and then like a week later in a different package, they send you the... Um, the bands. The bands, yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. I wouldn't know. I know you wouldn't, Chuck. I've You're heard a that. good kid. Like Switzerland or Sweden, you can buy them from, something like that. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to know more about customs, we have a lot of articles on the site about it. I think if you just type in customs... In the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, it's going to bring up um, probably all sorts of stuff. Things for Christmas, um, illegal <laughs> border crossings, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's one on U.S. Customs in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said search bar, right? Which, as everyone knows, is the automatic trigger for listener mail, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Josh, this one uh, struck us both pretty pretty well here from Sergeant uh, Walker in Afghanistan. Yeah, this was cool. This was awesome. We love hearing from our uh, men and women, uh, service men and women over there, putting their lives at risk. And this is a good one. Uh, hello, guys. My name is Sergeant John Walker. I'm with the 103rd Special Ops Division in Afghanistan. I cannot give you a more descri- uh, descriptive location, he says. Uh, my platoon and I protect the surrounding areas near schools so that children may achieve a well-rounded education. My life is not easy, but one thing makes it all the better. Your podcast is the thing that keeps me going strong out here. Every podcast keeps me wanting more, and the next one comes out, and so forth. Uh, so forth. I always have my iPod on uh, listening to you guys, and some of my platoon asked what I was listening to all the time, so I turned them onto it, and now there are at least 100 guys who use my computer to download your podcast. How cool is that? It's cool, but it doesn't stop there. No, it doesn't. Uh, Like I said, with the children in the school, although some speak poor English, most speak the local dialect of Farsi. Uh, My friend and I have learned a little bit of Farsi and actually translate your podcast for the older children to be able to understand it. We don't do some like the Large Hadron Collider, (laughs) but more simple ones that they can understand and that we can translate. Uh, We are expecting care packages soon, and I asked my, my family for a camera. So I could share all of our happiness with you. I wish I some, uh, had something I could give back to you guys. And clearly, Sergeant Walker, what you give us is peace of mind. And cool emails. 
and cool emails. Yes. So we wrote him back, and he's a he's a very cool guy, and he's still over there, and he's still safe. This came in, you know, a little bit ago. Yeah. Pretty cool. So good luck to you, sir. Good luck, Sergeant Walker. Right. Yes. Um, and if you have a cool email about translating our podcast into some other language to help other people, we want to know about it. Bet we don't get any more. Uh, if you have one, though, or if you just want to say hi or something like that, you can uh, email Chuck and me at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?